Hey, listen, welcome to the Hey Listen Games cast. My name is Jeffrey Morse. This is episode 44. We are almost to 50, guys. We're getting real close. <laughs> but uh, joining me here today, as always, Nathan Wagner. How's it going, Nathan? It's going good. I don't want to be 50 yet, so hopefully we can hold off a little bit longer. <laughs> We're going to have a mid-age uh, podcast crisis. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and also joining us today, our Steam connoisseur, Rob Douglas. <laughs> what do you do for a 50-year-old mid like midlife crisis on a video game podcast? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have to think of something you fun start playing, uh You start playing, like... I don't know. Call of Duty. Play through your entire Steam library. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've you already s- started, Rob. You sit down and you decide I'm gonna buy every single game on Steam during the next Steam Summer Sale. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh gosh! Uh, it's coming up. It, it is coming up. When does the Steam in- Summer Sale usually start? Is it like in May? Uh, or June? it's in like June, I believe. Usually in Ju- Is it in June or July? Oh, maybe July. It it's changed because sometimes yeah, it's never the same. June and they never announce it till really close. So we don't have an official yeah. announcement yet, but we're all keeping our ears and eyes and gotcha. wallets ready. Well, if you remember from a few episodes ago, I was contemplating possibly starting uh, a Steam account since I have a Surface I can run some games on. And I ha- I decided not to do it, but... This summer, during the Steam Summer Sale, I hear that's a good time to jump in. I might go and uh, see if some of the games I've been looking at are on sale and jump into Steam. But, um, yeah, I, I actually do have you won't a do game. It. <laughs> you, don't think, you don't think I'll do it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I, You'll be playing I, Splatoon. Uh, well, if it comes up before Splatoon. Splatoon's not until oh, July 20th. So. That's true. Yeah. I but I do have a game at the end of the show that I'm going to talk about that I played this week that I think will surprise some of you guys. So um, anyways, we're going to start the show talking about the biggest news as of today. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is going to release September 19th of this year. It was previously announced last year at PlayStation X um, or Experience and... They officially announced today, September 19th, it's coming with a couple uh, deluxe editions. One of them is like $200 and has like four different statues and like actual replica light up LED, like infinity gems. And it looks really cool, but I'm like, I can't spend $200 on one game. That's like (laughs) more than half the price of a console nowadays. So, Um, but the the main new thing that they announced was that there are eight new fighters, um, Ultron, Hulk, Thor, Hawkeye, Rocket Raccoon, Chun-Li, Strider Hyru, and Chris Redfield from Resident Evil 4. And then it's actually a story trailer that got announced. We tweeted it out today. And it's going to feature Ultron Sigma as the main villain, who basically is a combination, like hybrid, between Ultron, who's obviously, you know, Marvel villain. You know, he's in the last Avenger movie. And combining with Sigma, who is the main kind of robot bad guy from Mega Man X for Super Nintendo. So they're kind of combining into one ultra robot. And I think, Rob, you said before the show, like, basically the trailer just shows, okay, Ultron Sigma just destroys everyone and kicks everyone's butt. Like, <laughs> that's that's basically <laughs> the gist. So yeah. uh, I, I know I'm a huge fan of the series. I'm, I'm getting excited for this game. 
You two, I know you haven't played as much uh, Marvel vs. Capcom or just really Capcom game, fighting games in general. Uh, what did you guys think about the trailer? Is it, can you interested at all? Are you going to be following it? Or is it kind of like, meh? I mean, it looks cool. If the game was actually going to be like that instead of a technical fighting game, I probably would be more interested. <laughs> yeah. I'm like you'd want really it to bad be at more fighting of like games an action adventure type game or something. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm just. I'm not very good at fighting games. Like, they're a little too technical for me and stuff like that. So they're fun to kind of screw around with, but I don't think... I can't ever really get into them. Um, even, like, I love Smash Brothers, and that's, like, kind of, like, where you can either play it pretty casually or you can get really into it and get, it has really in-depth controls as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even very good at that, so... Well, yeah. Capcom is saying with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is almost kind of like a reboot of the series. And, you know, they're going down from the 3v3 combat the series is known for back down to 2v2 combat. So you're going to pick two different characters you can swap between. And one of the bullet points kind of on the press release today is they said that they are not... The wording wasn't simplifying, but they are trying to make it, I think they said, more accessible. So I think they're going to take some of the technicalities of, you know, those past games and how, you know all the crazy button combos and timing had to be perfect. And they're going to make it just a little bit more accessible than the last one. So hopefully, you know, players who maybe usually feel intimidated by this would uh, feel a little bit more comfortable playing. I think that's that's the goal for Capcom, which I think is great because they already have Street Fighter Five out there, which is obviously is a giant technical esports. So I think it's good to go a slightly different direction with this one. Yeah. Are they using the same engine as uh, the Far Cry 5 one, right? Uh, what about for... Far Cry? Or not Fighters? Far Cry, sorry, Street Fighter. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, Far Cry, where did that come from? Featuring Iron Man and Jeez. Ryu. Capcom, Ubisoft, kind of the same thing, right? Street well, Fighter, Street, sorry, the same yeah. engine as Street Fighter Five. is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. It's a def- definitely okay. different art style, um, but it, yeah. it looks it looks pretty good to me. I, the I, art style looks kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't like it. I think I just need to see more of it, because it looks a little bit... I don't know, weird to see those some of those characters in the art style. Like Hulk, Hulk looks a little off. I think it's supposed to be cheesy. Like the trailer yeah. is super cheesy. It's supposed to be over oh, so. yeah. cheesy. Like, that's that series. <laughs> what what I'm really hoping for is um, you know, while it was kind of exciting, they kind of confirmed some new fighters. None of these fighters are really new to the game. Like I think pretty much all those characters they announced today were in Marvel vs. Capcom three, uh, which did cut a ton of characters from the roster from the second one. And like I believe the second one had over 50-something characters. And the thing I loved about Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which is my favorite one in the series, is it had so many just random kind of like obscure characters and like gag characters. Like you could play a serve bot who's like this little tiny Lego guy. Like didn't even like he wasn't even as tall as like the knee of Ryu, like from Street Fighter. And like oh. they had Shumugorath, who's this weird octopus dude from the Marvel Universe. They had just all these just random obscure weird characters. And so I really hope that they build a really big roster and they feel, you know, they put in some of those more obscure or random characters as well. Cause I think that's yeah. the game more fun. But right now it's like basically all the main characters from the Avengers movies versus Street yeah. Fighter characters. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's I kind of sad. I think, but. I think the saddest thing about the character roster is it seems like there's not going to be any X-Men in it, which, you know, there's the whole, kind of marvel with x-men thing going on right now where yeah. marvel has kind of pushed x-men to the background because of the whole movie licensing deal and all that but Which is sad it's because wolverine, really is, a wolverine is not going to be in this game. series yeah exactly 
And yeah. well, isn't that because as well Capcom who... kind of teamed up with Disney on this one? So what we're going to see is a lot of the characters that are owned by Disney Marvel franchise. Yep. And so we already, probably they've already shown that. I mean, when you think generally of Marvel like superheroes or Marvel fighting characters. Like, who on the top five of their list is going to have Hawkeye? Like, a guy who shoots yeah, arrows exactly. on their list. But, you know, he's in all the movies, and so that's why they're putting him in there. I mean, Jeremy uh, Ren- Jeremy Renner in the movies makes him look really cool. But as yeah. far as the comic book character, he was never all that interesting. And so to put him as one of the top five slated characters in... That just... Yeah. That kind of bugs me. It's like, well, where's our... You know, Wolverine and, and I, you I'm know, sure, Magneto. You know, yeah, I'm sure there's still going to be more new characters, but Magneto, especially, he was such a big part of the game's competitive scene, especially for Marvel vs. Capcom oh, yeah. 2, I remember. He was a really big part, so that will be weird without him in there. But, you know, they, they will announce more characters. You know, I'm sure Spider-Man will mm-hmm. be in there. But, like, there's still yeah. no news of Venom. He was absent from Marvel vs. Capcom 3, even though he was in every other version so there's just some kind of kind of weird things like that um it is a good sign that capcom is putting Mega Man x in there because there was no uh Mega Man character in marvelous capcom 3 for some reason so um i think <laughs> i think it's good so far but you know i i'm excited to see what the final character roster is they did say that the deluxe edition which is retailing at 90 dollars will i think come with six new DLC characters that come out, you know, the next year after the game is launched. The first one being Sigma, mm-hmm. um, who's, you know, the big bad guy, one of the big bad guys in the game. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it's cool. It's coming out in September. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see more about the game. Hopefully the story mode's something cool. I mean, uh, it's going to be super cheesy, but it almost kind of reminded me of Smash Bros. Like, there's banter between, like, Mega Man X and Rocket Raccoon. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> that, you know, that that's, that's going to happen. So, Hopefully they they do, you know, do a good job with it, and they they have some fun with the story yeah. and the cinematics. So, yeah, that that part does excite me because if they if they have good kind of cheesy writing and be funny, did, did uh, the previous like Marvel versus Capcom games did they have like any kind of story mode? Do you know? <laughs> nope, not really. The okay. Marvel, I know Marvel versus Capcom two had like an arcade mode, and once you you know just beat a bunch of random fighters, I think it was like eight rounds, you fought like kind of a final stage boss guy but it was more like just like fighting m bison at the end of street fighter 2 it wasn't really like a story or anything yeah. like that if that makes sense okay well i think with i think with the popularity of the storylines in injustice um mm-hmm. which you know there wasn't much of a story but it was still enough of a story that people got on board with it i think we're going to hey. probably see that in a lot more of our fighting games yeah for sure i mean injustice it did a pretty good story for a fighting game. I technically yeah, exactly. injustice because I beat the story mode of that game. So I'm I'm gonna <laughs> shout out to one of the games, few games I have beaten. So, yeah. yeah. Hey. Uh, well, in Street Fighter Five, they did put a story mode in after the game launched, and I played through the whole thing, and it was totally nonsensical. Like it made zero sense. It was really weird. Like it, it was bizarre. Like I was shocked that they put that in there, and they got a lot of complaints from fans and. Capcom has now said, you know, we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to do anything else single player. Everything that we're going to add to Street Fighter V from now on is just going to be multiplayer and catered towards the eSport audience. So uh, I think it's cool that there is looking like there's a somewhat of a significant focus on single player and putting together some cool cinematics, um, you know, and it's those characters that we already know and like. So hopefully they, 
you know, partnering with Disney, they do a good job getting some good writers in to have some good banter between the characters. So yeah. that'll help them. I mean, they have to be hoping that this sells a lot better than Street Fighter Five. So oh, yes, yeah. I, I'm sure it's got that mainstream appeal. I'm sure it's going to sell pretty well, especially since it's coming out. Yeah, I was going to say it's a completely different target audience because Street Fighter Five yeah. was targeted towards almost the esport audience, while Marvel versus Capcom is like a, a game for the everyday person. Yeah, and it's it's not really a big franchise that comes out very often. You know, like Street Fighter and a lot of these other fighting games, they have versions come out every year or two. But, you know, this is only the fourth Marvel vs. Capcom game in, like, what, over 20 years. So it's not yeah. super often that these games necessarily come out. So I'm sure we'll see a super special edition with all the DLC and everything, you know, come out in a year or so <laughs> after this. But, you know, that's kind of yeah. Capcom and their, their model they use. But anyways... Let us know what you think about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Uh, we post, like I said, we posted the trailer on Twitter at Hayleson underscore games. Check it out on our page there. And I'll leave us a reply. Uh, let us know what you think. We'll uh, probably retweet some of the best responses we get there. Um, moving on, we got some uh, Nintendo news this week as well. Um, we just wanted to mention Splatoon 2. Uh, Nathan, you actually forwarded the tweet to me when Nintendo tweeted it. I think it was the other day. And yeah. it's looking like they're kind of teasing some story lore to the game and you're like wait what like splatoon has a story like there's a lore <laughs> but the single player campaign for the first one was actually a lot of fun i had i had uh i had a lot of enjoyment from the boss fights were super cool um the only really complaint i had was it was kind of short it was only about maybe four or five hours um but there was different like little pieces of lore that kind of explained some different things in the world and there were some memorable characters and i won't you know, spoiled ending or anything, but basically throughout Splatoon, you'd have these splat fests and you'd basically choose one side or the other, who you want to support. And you'd basically go into battle during that weekend and you basically would fight with other people um, who supported the same team. So like, I think one of my favorite ones was they did Pokemon red versus Pokemon blue. So to choose which of the two versions was your favorite. And then you kind of battle out and see which version wins. And, uh, the very last Splatfest was between Callie and Marie and the two Squid Sisters in the game. And Marie won the Splatfest. And apparently, ever since then, like, it caused a rift between those two characters. And like, that's kind of affecting the story about the... Or the, affecting the story for Splatoon 2, which I think is hilarious that basically an in-game multiplayer event is affecting the story and lore into the sequel of the game. I've never really heard of a game doing that before <laughs> it's it's kind of funny well, nintendo doing that it's hilarious because nintendo is kind of making it seem like all dark like i remember in the trailer for splatoon 2 there was like that scene where i forget if it was callie and marie but they were like wearing marie. All she was, yeah she was all by herself and like her back was to the camera yeah <laughs> yeah she was wearing all black she looked like kind of evil and stuff like that so It'll be, I mean, it's it's great that they're kind of using them as more than just that and maybe having them be a big part of the story, single-player part of it and the story. It's just really hilarious. They uh, kind of tweeted this out on their Squid Research Lab where they kind of release all their different news about the game and stuff like that. So yeah. they titled the first part the prologue, so there's apparently going to be chapters <laughs> that kind of gives us more teases about what the story's about. Yeah, so if you're uh, looking forward to... Uh understanding more behind the lore and the bitter rivalry between the two squid sisters uh stay tuned hey listen game right <laughs> maybe um, uh, uh maybe splatoon 2 will have like a grimoire score like destiny 2 <laughs> where you unlock the different lore and you have to download the uh the nintendo online app and read about the character's backstory 
Exactly. Oh, man. Please, no. That'd be great. great. Um, But uh, also about Splatoon 2, uh, Nintendo did officially announce this week that they'll be having a pre-release expedition tourney. And I think that's going to be at E3 2017 this year. So I'm assuming it's going to be something similar to probably the the Smash Bros. tourney they had at E3 a few years ago before uh, Smash 4 came out, where they kind of invite some pro gamers and maybe some um, Twitch streamers or some other people and just kind of a big tournament to kind of promote the game. So um, I think that's cool. I hope Reggie plays again. <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> so he gets wrecked by awesome. a professional player. Um, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I'm hoping they do some type of thing like the Nintendo World Championship a year or two ago where they maybe have some type of demo at stores or some competition that anyone can, you know, kind of enter. Um, I think that'd be be a really fun, you know, event that could get a lot of people excited about the game and raise, you know, awareness about the brand and the Switch. So that's what I'm hoping for, but I'm not getting my hopes up. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Great. So our last news story of the week um, we're going to be talking about the Super Nintendo. And you might think, what does a 25-plus-year-old console have to do with gaming news this week? Well, Nintendo, hot off the uh, news uh, of them supposedly, or not supposedly, but confirming that the NES Classic will end its production this month. So this is the last week that they will get shipped out. Um, Eurogamer is now reporting that the Super Nintendo... Uh, will be re-released as the Super Nintendo Classic um, by the end of the year for the holidays. And Nintendo is ramping up production for that. This is not confirmed yet. It's still in the rumor phase. But I think a lot of people are trying to, are kind of thinking about this and thinking that would totally make sense. And, you know, Super Nintendo has such a great library of these big games, especially like RPGs and, you know, Mario titles, Zelda, Donkey Kong. It's got, got basically bigger and better versions of everything the NES Classic had. So... Um, what do you guys think? Do you think there's any validity to this rumor? Would that get you excited? Would you want a Super Nintendo Classic, or would you not really be interested? I mean, it would definitely explain why the NES Classic is kind of being discontinued and stuff like that. Like, they're, I guess, using those factories to make SNES Classics instead, possibly, or whatever. So that makes sense. But, yeah, I think this is awesome. Rob, what do you think? I'm, I think it's kind of cool, but what I really want... One, I don't know. Because um, I love some of the SNES games, and I love some of the NES games, but now, once again, I'm kind of suspecting we might have a very similar problem with what we had with the NES Classic, <laughs> where there was not a lot of consoles released, and so while it might be $60, it's almost impossible to get it. And there's actually... I was looking at some of the possible games that, you know, some of the best games on the SNES and some of the games that might possibly go on this, and it's a really exciting list, and I hope it works out, and I hope it is something that's happening. But I'll, yeah. I'll hold my breath for when they take both of them, the, the NES Classic and the SNES Classic, and they combine them into one. Ooh, <laughs> that would be cool. Ooh, that would be crazy. Okay, also, it's the SNES, not the SNES. That's that's how I'm going <laughs> to go with that. I just call it the and... Super Nintendo or the Super NES. I just... <laughs> I just NES and SNES. Just shorten them <laughs> no, up. No, NES SNES. and SNES. You lazy SNES. person. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Also, what do you guys think about, like, if they did do this? Obviously, I think you're right, Rob. Like, the NES Classic was awesome, but no one could find it. Like, no one ever saw it in store shelves. So we would be like, Nintendo, please make more. But they have a history of kind of not learning from their failures and 
not making enough products. So that would be a valid concern. And ignoring everything that we suggest. Well, and what do you guys think the price point of this would be? The NES Classic was 60 bucks, and it had 30 pretty good games um, mm-hmm. in there. I feel like the SNES, like, the value for those games, I feel like, is a lot higher than some of those NES games. Yeah, so, that, I mean, that is true. I think they would still want to keep it in the affordable range under $80. So I would say maybe yeah. going maybe going $70. And then I could also see them cutting down the number of games um, because, you know, yeah, Super Yeah, maybe like 20, 15 yeah, games or something. They're, they're a lot more meaty. So I could see them, yeah, doing about 15 or 20 games even, which, you know, you throw one or two Donkey Kong countries on there. You throw the Mario, the Zelda, the Metroid, uh, Mario Kart, F-Zero, maybe Star Fox. Um, and then right there, you got about 10 games. And then, you know, maybe the other 10 slots you fill in with other great third-party stuff. like Third-party stuff. You know, NBA Jam, Chrono Trigger, you know, some of the Street RPG, Fighter 2. RPGs. Street Fighter 2, yeah, exactly. Get some of those multiplayer arcade-type games. And I, th- yeah. I think, you know, having about 15, 20 there would totally be reasonable and worth it. And for me personally, I would love to have a Super Nintendo Classic because um, my yeah. NES Classic or my NES uh, library growing up that I still have is um, pretty big, and I you know can play most of those games whenever I want to still. But my Super Nintendo library, I think I only have about maybe seven or eight games still, and so I there's a ton of games that I really haven't been able to really play regularly or easily, and so I would love to basically have them all there on one console and just be able to plug that into my TV and take anywhere. So I think it'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I think it would, I think it would do really well. I think a lot of people, especially retro gamers look at the SNS as kind of the peak of gaming, um, especially mm-hmm. for Nintendo. And so I kind of, I would much be much more interested in the SNES classic versus a NES classic, I think mm-hmm. for myself. And the music too, man. That that sound chip on the Super Nintendo. Every single one of those, especially those Nintendo made Super Nintendo games, have such great music. And you know, think of oh yeah, Street Fighter Two and the and the the sound songs from the you know stages in that game, and just so many so many classic um, songs and soundtracks from that era. So I think it I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that ends our main news segment for um, today's episode. We are going to now be jumping into a bit of a history lesson. We haven't done one of these in a while, uh, but we are going to be talking about the history of Naughty Dog. And if you're not familiar with Naughty Dog, they are probably best known nowadays for the creators and developers of the Uncharted series. But did you know that Naughty Dog was formerly called Jam Software, and they were founded in 1984 before the Nintendo Entertainment System was even released? Wow. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. What did they do? They do, like, uh, CD stuff or computer stuff? Yeah, it was most, mostly for computer and PC. Um, it was founded by two guys named Andy Gavin and Jason Rubin, and they were basically just a little small independent developer. They are both two young guys down in Santa Monica, and basically, they started to create some very kind of low-budget games. And I, I think one of the first games they made was some type of skiing game. And it was kind of so low-budget and just kind of a fun project for the two guys that they actually accidentally backed up a copy of some other file and, like, erased their first game accidentally. And they're like, oh, well, like, let's start on a new one, I guess. <laughs> and so it was, like, super just kind of small, indie, humble beginnings and uh, they made some, some smaller games. And eventually, um, a guy named Mark Cherney. Have you guys ever ever heard of him? He's, I've, I've heard that name before, yeah. Sounds yeah. familiar, but... 
Yeah, he's basically that doesn't necessarily mean anything. He's basically like a longtime American like uh, video game uh, kind of guy who would help and come alongside companies, kind of almost like a not. I'm not going to say Miyamoto because he didn't necessarily create a bunch of memorable characters, but kind of one of those guys who had a lot of knowledge and would go and kind of assist game companies mm-hmm. and give good ideas and you know kind of encourage them. And um, he worked with I think the Universal Interactive Studios for a while, and so. That's when he kind of met the Naughty Dog guys, and he thought, you know, um, they had a lot of talent. So he basically con- convinced them and talked to the Naughty Dog guys to make a new game that would be kind of a platform-based game. And he wanted to use, like, a cool character. So basically, the Naughty Dog team hired um, an artist to create a fun animal-looking mascot. And basically what they came up with was a bandicoot who, for some reason is wearing a pair of pants and shoes <laughs> and decided to name him Crash. And uh, basically, uh, they showed the game to Sony um, Interactive Entertainment, and Sony said, we like this, we're going to publish this game, and it's going to be you know a big PS1 game. And they put the full Sony kind of marketing force behind it for their first big PlayStation game. And Crash, originally when it came out, was kind of almost seen as Mario's big rival Um like Sonic was kind of pushed away, you know, the Dreamcast hadn't come out yet. Um, Sonic, you know, had, had kind of no gone away. 3D Sonic. Yeah, there wasn't 3D Sonic yet. So Crash was really the first big 3D character who wasn't Mario in a platforming game. And so um, that was the creation of kind of the first really big and successful Naughty Dog game. And that's, I, I guess you would say, their first well-known game was the original Crash Bandicoot. And that came out in... 1996, um, September 9th in uh, the North America, and that was the first one in the series. Wait, and so that came out like right around the same time as Super Mario 64, then? Because yes, exactly. So that okay, that, that's another reason why I drew so many parallels. Like Mario 64 and Crash Bandicoot were both ushering in a new era of 3D platforming games with like mascot type characters, and I always thought that's that crazy that it came out. Yeah, I always thought Banjo-Kazooie was kind of like the spiritual successor to Crash Bandicoot growing up as a kid because they both kind of looked the same. They look like, similar. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 I idea. Yeah. yeah, the big black nose, the ears, the blue jean or shorts that they wear or whatever. So uh, you can tell they both were great in the 90s, at least. I think we can agree on that. But. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but Crash was a pretty different gameplay, actually, for Mario 64, right? Like, it wasn't, it was kind of like levels that you kind of ran through and stuff like that. Yeah. I think yeah. I really played it like once or twice, the original, but. Yeah, the, the original Crash was um, more linear levels, but Mario 64 definitely had a little bit more exploration and large sandbox type worlds to explore. Um, but that didn't stop it from being super successful. I think the original one sold, I want to say, over 5 million copies, which is pretty good for a new IP you know, for, for PlayStation at the time. And so uh, that first one would be pretty successful. And so they basically, their deal that they had with Sony and Universal Interactive uh, basically had them making three games in the series. And so the next year they made a sequel, Crash Bandicoot 2. And uh, that was basically same style as the original. And then uh, finally the next year they wrapped up their trilogy with Crash Bandicoot Warped in 1998. And that was another platform um, game that came out on the PS1. And then the next year, rather than making another you know, sequel or Crash Bandicoot game, they made a basically a kart racer, which again drew the parallels to Mario because Mario Kart had come out you know, a year or two before. And they made Crash Team Racing. 
And that was kind of the final entry in the Crash Bandicoot series, which obviously was 1999. Explains why so many Sony, longtime Sony fans were so excited when they finally announced, you know, the Crash Trilogy was getting remastered uh, last year at PSX. Or was it E3? I think it was E3, wasn't it? No, it was E3. They announced that they were remastering, yes. Yeah, because, you know, Crash that, that's um That's, that's a pretty big gameplay difference between, between, like, kind of a platformer and a Crash Team Racing. I didn't realize that uh, that they made the same studio made both those different games. I assumed it was different studios because, you know, those gameplay and genres are pretty yeah. different. <laughs> and it was a it was a pretty good kart racer, right? I don't think I've ever played it, but I, I've read it. It wasn't bad. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun for a little bit, but it wasn't necessarily like... It wasn't Mario Kart. That yeah. I think that's probably the best way to yeah. put it. It wasn't Mario Kart, and it wasn't Diddy Kong Racing. It, it kind of was Mar- sort of a... Attempting yeah. to be one of those, but not quite making it there. Yeah, I, th- I think that's accurate. You know, and if you didn't have N sixty four, you had a PS one. That was you know the racing multiplayer game you got. Like that was it. It was either that or you know one of the realistic tech games. Um, so I think it did did go on to sell pretty well. And after Crash Team Racing, they stopped developing games for the PS one. And this legacy that Naughty Dog kind of became known for and to a frustration of a lot of its fans, actually, they stopped making anything Crash Bandicoot when they moved on to the PS2. And this is something about Naughty Dog. They only worked on one game series at a time per console. So they had their one main team making you know those Crash games. And as soon as the last one came out, they said, okay, we're done with everything Crash. We're going to come up with a new idea for the next system. And so the next series that they created was the jack and daxter series the original was called jack and daxter the precursor legacy came out in 2001 and this game i is the only one i've played in the series and i've really enjoyed my time with it i got picked up the trilogy collection and at the time it set the record for the biggest um open world in any video game at that time Uh, because unlike mario 64 maybe like banjo kazooie um while they did have big worlds with you know Lots of different things to do. Jack and Daxter had one giant overworld that had different little sections. You know, had like an ice world, a lava world, an underwater world with all those different sections, but it was all connected. So once you started the game, you didn't have to, you know, jump into a painting or, you know, warp into the next world and you have a quick loading time. Everything was just all connected in one big open world, which was kind of a huge deal at the time. Wow, that's crazy. I did not realize that. Yeah, it was really cool. And, you know, going back, playing it nowadays, you know, I didn't really realize it at the time. But I'm like, if I would have played this back in 2001 when it came out, I probably would have been, you know, super impressed about it. And it did have um, full-on voice acting, which was a first time for a Naughty Dog game. And despite it being kind of cartoony and silly and, you know, very kind of funny and humorous, um, they did actually did a really good job with the voice acting. Like, it's, it was pretty professional sounding and not, not a lot of games back, you know, in the early... You know, PS2, Xbox, GameCube era did, you know, hired good voice acting and really had a good focus on, you know, making the voices sound, you know, good and reliable and quality. So um, Jack and the Daxter got really well received. And so Naughty Dog fashion, what did they do two years later? They made Jack and Daxter 2. And then the year after that, finished the trilogy with Jack and Daxter 3. And I know 2 and 3 didn't focus quite as much on the open platforming 
I think they thought people had kind of already gotten their fill of those 3D type platformers. And so they focused mm -hmm. a little bit more, almost kind of like Ratchet and Clank that had some, some gunplay and some different mechanics. And even if you look at the box art of Jack and Daxter 1 and compare it to 3, like Jack and Daxter 1, he's like, yay, I'm happy. And the third one, he's like total solemn, kind of like scowling face and kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm mature now. Like play Jack 3. So <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> to see the shift in tone. That doesn't always happen throughout, you know, a game series. I can't remember which one it was. I think it's Jack's 3 where that I played. And it was centered around a city, and it had, like, this oppressive over-government that basically the soldiers would attack you everywhere you went, and you could jack and steal cars and stuff and drive, fly everywhere and stuff. It was, like, GTA in, like, this cartoony thing meets Watch Dogs sort of. It was, like, this great. I remember having a lot of fun with it. I can't, and I like oh. I said, I can't remember if it was two or three, but... That's fascinating because I, I didn't, I mean, I knew the two and three were different from the first one, but I didn't realize that they were kind of more edgy and more mature and stuff like that because mm -hmm. I kind of have looked at it and the first game that I've ever um, from Naughty Dog was Uncharted. And so looking at that series, I was like, this is really different from what seemed like Jack and Daxter was like, how did that yeah. How did the studio get from one to another? Yeah, no, so you can like kind of the, see them maturing. Yeah, yeah two and three was sort of like the edgy, angsty teenager before Uncharted's adult. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because you know Jack and Daxter was the original. I think it was very much the extension of Crash Bandicoot. They're like, okay, we want to make bigger open worlds. So That's like a full-on three D mm -hmm. platformer, but we want to start with a new character and have voice acting. We can't really do that with Crash. So that was you know a very natural, I think, evolution to Crash, and then. With two and three, like you guys said, got a little bit more mature, added some shooting mechanics, and so Naughty Dog got to practice, you know, developing, you know, a little bit more of a shooter style type games. And um, the following year, after Jack Three, just like they did with uh, Crash, they released a Jack and Daxter combat racing video game for the PS2. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny. Their first, basically, main two series that they created, they basically did annual sequels until they finished a trilogy, then they released a racing game the year the year after that to kind of cap off the series and send it out with racing style, I guess. So um, I never played huh. Jack X Combat Racing. I remember seeing advertisements for it all the time. I think one of my friends mm -hmm. had it. Um, I don't I don't think I ever played it, but it looked like it was, you know, a pretty pretty good time. But that did come out in two thousand five, so that was, you know, nearing the end of the PS two's life cycle. Um, or at least where they were getting that's hilarious. focused. So <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. And then, you know, after Jack Combat Racing, we've never seen or heard anything about Jack and Daxter um, since then. It's been completely, completely gone. You know, they haven't really expressed any interest of ever really returning to that franchise. Um, they are re-releasing, they... or they did re-release the original trilogy on PS3. Um, and that's, like I said, that was the one I picked up. It was up res to HD and they are, I think, porting that remaster over to PS4, um, in August, but I don't think. And there is a crash bandicoot, uh, collection coming out here soon for PS4 as well. But, yes. but you know, I don't think we're that, a new yeah. game in the Jack and Daxter series is what I'm saying. No, I, th I think people would be pretty upset if they went back to Crash or Jack and Daxter. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. The bar has been raised because you know while Crash and Jack Daxter, you know, had a lot of fans, they were very loved. It wasn't until two years later when 
what Naughty Dog was known for, starting each new console generation with a new series and focusing only on that one series. They started their new PlayStation 3 series named Uncharted. You may have heard of it before. Um, <laughs> the first game, <laughs> now- the first game subtitled Drake's Fortune, and it was an action-adventure shooter um, and also kind of had some platforming elements as well. But like you said, kind of showed the natural evolution. It still had some platforming roots, had the voice acting, some of the shooting stuff from Jack 3. But the main reason people love Uncharted is because of the cinematics and how gorgeous the game looked at the time and how it kind of played like a movie and the voice acting really told a really interesting narrative and the characters, you know, you felt invested in. And, you know, this was at a time where video games were entering the HD era and we didn't, hadn't really seen that before. We had seen video game stories that were good, but we hadn't really seen them acted out and told in such a engaging way before. Um, would you guys agree with that or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember yeah. um, the PS3 announcement. I think they, Uncharted 3 came out 2007, or not Uncharted 3, the first one came out 2007, and they showed yeah. off something from it uh, when they announced kind of the PS3 and did the $600 price tag and all that, and everyone was like, I don't remember <laughs> that, but I remember seeing kind of the trailer something from that and being like, wow, that looks crazy, like, it looks super real, um, lifelike, and so when I finally got my PS3, not till like 2011, I believe, un- the Uncharted 1 and 2 collection, um, was like the first thing I bought for it because I had been like seeing this. This looks super interesting. The re- looks like basically the best reason to own a PS3. Mm-hmm. And so then playing the first one, um, it was really amazing. Even like four years after the fact, I was still kind of blown away by it. Yeah. Um, although it's kind of funny to think about because we praise them so much for the story and especially the first two Uncharted. They're kind of like the endings aren't great with kind of aliens and zombies and supernatural yeah. stuff that <laughs> kind of did with the, <laughs> the kingdom of the crystal skull route almost it was like yeah exactly. out sci-fi ending <laughs> like, <laughs> mystical ending i should say but uh but yeah that that it was but really well received the characters and, were... and yeah the characters are what people really loved and um unlike you know jack and daxter where there was really you had your two main characters jack and daxter who kind of carried the narrative on their own um it had and i remember more... go ahead like when I was when I first heard about Uncharted, I remember I saw about it in a magazine, a uh, gaming magazine, back when you know, for all you kids um, and youngins out there, gaming magazines were pieces of paper that had video games on them. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember this video game article I was reading, and it was talking about how Uncharted, the new game's coming out, and you're fighting against the pirates, and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool already. I love pirates, but. Then it was talking about like how whenever you went up to a piece of cover, he would do a different animation when he went to the cover, and it was like totally unheard of. You know, like none of the other shooters at that point in time had done that, and so it was just like this. I mean, they were literally this whole magazine article was trying to sell you on not the game story or anything necessarily, but like the motion capture and everything with the actors, and then you could when you came up to a rock, you would stand in three different positions instead of just one. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just like, like, that looks so cool. Even the characters and the, the facial animations and just like the different, you know, like you said, the different animations, the water were... effects. I remember them being a blown away by the water effects. Like, like, <laughs> uh, water. When he would, like they were really good. And like his, when he would go swimming, like his jeans would get wet and it looked like they were like 
like only if you went in only your knees like only up to your, that certain point would get wet and i remember being like this is amazing like that blowing my mind back in you know whenever it was so <laughs> yeah and it, was, it was cool to see a more realistic kind of take on like a video game world like it's very kind of grounded and like it looks like it could be a real location that you're visiting while you know like most other games you know at the time like you think maybe halo 3 and the original gears of war like they definitely had very kind of not necessarily as grounded looks like gears of war is the very kind of apocalyptic destroyed world halo 3 is kind of the more sci-fi world so while they did look really cool and gorgeous at the time uncharted was really taking that more realistic approach and looking like hey this looks like a indiana jones movie but it's in a video game type thing so yeah um, so uncharted 2 came out two years later 2009 and um, I, that one was extremely well received. I think it, I think it still is the highest critically acclaimed one out of the series. I think Uncharted Two got. Re- I think yeah, it it's reviews. it's like a ninety six point seven review or something along those lines. I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. The op- opening of that game when you're on the train car on the side of the. the oh my goodness! One of the greatest openings I think of any game ever. Uh, you can't really argue that. It's it's amazing. It instantly gets you invested in the story, even if you haven't played you know the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that came out then, and by the time Uncharted 3 got announced and released, um, it, it, another two years had passed, and so you know they were able to, to get sequels out for these fairly large, technically impressive games. Um, and even, you know, each game looked better graphically, and they, you know, they looked really, really nice and impressive for the, the uh, year that each one came out. And by the time Uncharted 3 came out, it you know got received pretty well. I think most fans were maybe a little bit disappointed. It wasn't quite as engaging as the second one. But overall, it was you know a pretty solid trilogy that they had there. And finally, after all the Naughty Dog fans were complaining and hoping that finally Naughty Dog would branch out and make more than just one series per console, they announced that they had a second team working on a new game series that would release on the PS3 next to Uncharted called The Last of Us, which is an action-adventure um, survival horror game. So I wouldn't say it's just survival horror like maybe Resident Evil, but it does kind of have more, some more action-adventure, more Uncharted-type elements to it as well. And um, that came out two years after Uncharted 3. It was kind of the last big game on the PS3 Um and that came out 2013, the middle of the year there, The Last of Us. And, in the summer. Yeah, it came out in the summer. And that is, I think, Naughty... I'm not sure. Did that get higher reviews than the Uncharted 2? I, I think it was the most critically acclaimed game, if I remember correctly. That's highly possible. I have no idea. It's their, probably the, it's their most loved game. Um, yeah. That's for sure. Just it, by fans. I don't, know, I don't know about critical acclaim. Um, they Also, they started... Re- working kind of uncharted 3 was worked on by one team basically they kind of split after uncharted 2 i believe and mm-hmm. half one team worked on uncharted 3 and one team was working on uh the last of us the last of us yeah because i remember being a blown away because they announced the last of us um basically right after uncharted 3 came out like at the mm-hmm. game awards or whatever the game awards was back then in december of that year and it was like, they just released this game. How are they going to release this new game? And I remember reading about it. I think it was in Game Informer, uh, like, reading a big article. Guys, we've been working on another game. Finally, like you guys have wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean. I mean it was just, 
th that was great. It kind of showed then that maybe they were listening to the fan feedback and they were trying to branch out a little bit and try maybe another series, uh, not just stick to yeah. one series per console, which is good. Well, yeah. I do remember one of the things that was kind of a little bit of a challenge between the two games was, you know, Uncharted 3 was fun. It looked really great, but it wasn't, it didn't always feel as complete as like Uncharted 2. And The Last of Us just had such a, or The Last of Us had this great, incredible story, and it was super emotional, and, you know, but there were some points where some of the action didn't always feel as complete. Mm -hmm. um, and so you kind of had this, like, you could tell there was a little, there was that split, but it wasn't quite the same as, like, Ubisoft going off to Far Cry and Assassin's Creed, where suddenly there's so many glitches, you can't even play the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually, they actually, for what they did, it was actually really good. Yeah. Um, and then after The Last of Us released, um, the following year, uh, they did another first for Naughty Dog as a developer, and they released a DLC titled The Last of Us Left Behind. And it was basically, they, they I think they titled it as an expansion pack. And so basically, mm -hmm. it was something that just kind of ex extended, had a little additional story didn't really change the main game too much. Um, I, I didn't play it, so I can't say personally. I think you played it, though, Rob, right? I did. It wasn't... And you could have played the main story and never played that one and not feel like you missed out on a mu on much. It didn't change the main story of the main mm -hmm. game at all. What it did add, though, was a little bit more behind Ellie's character, um, which was kind of cool to see like a, a little bit more of... Or... Yeah, it was more of a backstory... Um, you know, how she gets bitten, ultimately, you know, some of her friends that she knew before she was bitten. Gotcha. And, you know, so it's kind of this, it was kind of fun to play through. It wasn't super hard. It wasn't really challenging. Um, it was a lot of walking really and talking. About the backstory and just kind of building the, the character. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of action. You didn't have a lot of, there was barely any combat. There was barely any sneaking around. There was a little bit of the jumping on platforms and stuff, but... Other than that, most of it was just walking around and talking to your friend. Yeah, so, and, you know, was, I think, that, I think that's a, your friend. That's a good way to do. I think that's a good way to do <laughs> an expansion pack too. Like you know, you don't want people to feel like if they didn't buy it, they're missing out on like the full game or something like that. So, um, and they did eventually release that um, the, the following year as a standalone, so you could play just The Last of Us Left Behind if you wanted to, and then obviously the, the PS4 came out, they remastered The Last of Us, and they put it out with the DLC packaged together. And they also re-released the Nathan Drake collection before Uncharted 4 came out. And, uh, you know, in between The Last of Us, which originally came out in 2013, and Naughty Dog's most recent game, which is Uncharted 4, which came out about a year ago in 2016. 2016. I think yep. that's oh, their, That was only a year ago? Wow. Yeah, I, th I think that's their biggest gap between releases almost. It's about three years. And they're kind of following a new standard, I think, by... Uncharted 4, you know, was released last year, and they've been doing lots of kind of smaller updates to kind of the multiplayer mode, but they are doing a big standalone expansion called Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which, as you know, is coming out August 22nd, and uh, that one looks like it's going to be a more significant uh, piece of content than the Left Behind uh, uh, DLC was, and so I know a lot of people are pretty excited yeah. about that game, and, you know, looking ahead to the future... Other than Uncharted Lost Legacy, we know Last of Us Part Two is coming, so they are going to be returning to that um, that series. But 
beyond that, we don't really know what they're going to do next. Like, is Uncharted Lost Legacy kind of going to kind of be the last kind of Uncharted, Naughty Dog, Uncharted game for a while, forever? Are they just going to keep doing Last of Us? Are they going to maybe start a new series now that kind of a new era of powerful consoles is coming? But um, one thing we do know is they still have basically all these exclusivity deals and Sony partnership with Sony. So Wait, I, I wouldn't so really... Sony doesn't technically own them? I um, thought they were first studio. Sony they, buy them or no? They did buy them, um, I think, halfway through the Jack and Daxter series. Um, okay, because I wasn't sure when they became a first studio. Yeah, and so yeah. They're, okay. they're making stuff only only for Sony now. Um, it, and the reason I think the why they did that is because Sony didn't have rights to the Crash Bandicoot series because originally mm-hmm. the deal was spun with, I think, Universal Interactive. And Universal still holds the rights for Crash, which I think was why it took so long to figure out how they could remaster it you know, legally and stuff like that. Well, I think, Crash. I think Activision it? like bought out Universal oh, okay, or whatever. Okay. But basically, Sony couldn't yeah. really do exactly what they wanted. They had to run it through other people with Crash, which is, yeah. I think, another reason they wanted them to create a new series with Jack and Baxter. Um, but anyways, we're I think it makes sense. No matter what, what goes in, I think it's kind of cool. And you can kind of see now the progression starting at, you know, crash and getting up to Nathan Drake and seeing, you know, those may look like two totally different games, but if you look at each game one at a time, you can kind of see maybe how they got there from, you know, uh, through the progression of their different games they made. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're one of the yeah. highest acclaimed and top notch triple a developers of you know this era of gaming right now so i think i think whatever that next is you know going to be pretty memorable so what do you i have one question before we wrap up this topic for you guys uh what do you guys want from them next like i mean beyond kind of last of us 2 because they're doing that and you know a lot of people i didn't love last of us, of us but obviously most people did what do you what it. would you guys yeah. like to see them do either after after that or next from naughty dog um I personally would um, – I'm not a huge Last of Us fan either. I didn't really enjoy the first one as much as I hoped I would. I don't think I'm going to pick up the second. So I I think it would be cool to see them branch out and do something maybe a little bit more goofier almost. So like maybe slightly more goofier than Uncharted, almost, almost kind of back to what they did with Jack and Daxter, which I think it would be cool to maybe do – something kind of like uh the infamous team has done with two kind of a crazy superhero open world platforming type game i think the level of polish and the the story uh that their their writers are always able to come up with i think it would be really cool and i would totally love to play more of an action platformer that has to do with something more fun and not as mature or serious as you know uncharted 4 and last of us uh <laughs> stories kind of were yeah. so that's what i would like to see um, I did enjoy The Last of Us, and I'm actually kind of excited about The Last of Us too. Although I won't, I'll probably wait till it goes on sale to buy it, just because it doesn't. It's not one of my higher rated games, so it'd be like I need to buy this one really we could just soon. Wait until they make Last of Us three, and they do the Last You've of got, Us like, trilogy remastered, because uh, yeah. they always do trilogy remasters. Apparently, <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I'll, I'll, I might wait for that then. <laughs> I already have the Last of Us remastered, so maybe I'll just hang out for that one. But um, I honestly, I. 
would rather them not head back to the platforming side of things. I think it's good that they're sort of a little bit more on the mature side of things, but I do agree with you. I think they need to have a little bit more, like maybe not as dark as the last of us. Um, and not as emotional as Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I, I was just kind of thinking about this, and I know this is impossible because of rights, but, you know, thinking through, there was that game that was coming out by LucasArts, um, or not LucasArts, oh, but it was Star like... Oh, Star Wars 1313? The Star Wars 1313 game that was sort of using the uh, type of gameplay that Uncharted 2 mostly did. Mm-hmm. I'd love to yeah. see kind of a maybe a nitty gritty bounty hunter sci fi type game out That'd of Naughty amazing. Dog. I would love like that. kind of like because like, Jack and Dexter. Jack was kind of like that bounty hunter sort of like the the rogue type person. Uncharted, he's sort of the rogue type person. Last of Us, he's a uh, smuggler. Like they already have this this history of kind of the criminal side of things, and mm-hmm. so put out this bounty hunter type person who's going around galaxies. So you get your own ship and everything. Like, yeah, that would be awesome. I, I mean, not RPG That'd like cool. Mass Effect, but like that type of gameplay as we get yeah, in Uncharted, like a, a big explorable world like that, and with you know the classic Naughty Dog yeah. story and writing. I think that'd be cool. That would be awesome. That's a great idea. So, I I don't really want them to do Uncharted, but. As I, I realized as I was thinking about my answer to this question that it, it's kind of like Uncharted, I, I want them to go back and do like a historical game, but like not set in modern times, like maybe set back like in the 1700s, 1800s, something like that. And mm. they're such great storytellers. And there's so, I love history. So there's so much kind of different content <laughs> they could do with that. And I'd love to see them try their hand at something maybe, along maybe. those lines. The great story in historical setting, kind of changing. That would probably change some of the gameplay and stuff like that um, based on whatever time period they chose. But do something along those lines. I think that would be awesome. That would be awesome. They could redeem uh, Assassin's Creed 3 and do a good story for the War of Independence, maybe? Yeah. That would be cool. (laughs) All right. uh, That about wraps up our segment. Uh, Let us know, what is your favorite Naughty Dog game? Uh, Let us know on Twitter at games. Out of every series Naughty Dog has done, every game they've made, what is your favorite? All right. Our last segment for today's show, we are going to leave you guys with what we are playing. I'm really excited because Spectre Knight got released as a free update to all other platforms this week. So if you've downloaded Shovel Knight at any point on any system, um, go check it out. You should have a free update where you can play the new Spectre Knight campaign for free. And I've been playing it on my Wii U, and I am absolutely loving it. Um, the Plague Knight campaign that they did last year, I really enjoyed as well. The, the thing I liked most about Plague Knight was it had a really good story, and it was really funny. Uh, but it, you basically were playing through the same exact levels. You just kind of were maneuvering through them in a different way by doing bomb jumps. And um, it was very tricky and difficult, which was great, but it also made it a little frustrating at times because it was... I mean, I was at the end of the game, and I was still accidentally killing myself with the bomb jumps and stuff. So um, <laughs> the great thing about Spectre Knight is he plays totally differently. You can do diagonal slashes up or down on little lanterns throughout the level and enemies. And you can also climb up walls and jump off of them. So you're like this crazy, like, Strider, Knuckles the Echidna crossover knight of awesomeness, which is great. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> All the levels are designed for Spectre Knight, so they 
have remade every level. Every level is unique to the Spectre Knight campaign. And um, I'm really enjoying it because it feels different and unique. And there's some difficulty there, but it's not frustrating. Um, and I've played through, I think, four of the different worlds so far. And one really cool thing I like is they have these Red Skull collectibles. I think there's 10 of them per level. And after you get them, you go back to your base, and there's a character where you can redeem them for new items. And unlike the other Shovel Knight uh, games, basically when you get an item, you just get it. In Spectre Knight, you basically redeem these skulls, and the character leads you to a dungeon where you get the new item. And basically, it teaches you how to use the item by completing a a small dungeon challenge. And so you're not allowed to use your scythe or any other abilities and basically use this new item to get through a small challenge room and it kind of teaches you how to use it that way and you can buy these upgrades in any order you want so it really gives you a lot of freedom not only selecting any stage you want but you're kind of learning and buying different upgrades and you can explore his keep and find lots of different little secrets and so so far i'm loving it i i think it's a lot of fun if you have a nintendo switch um especially i know since there's not a lot of games out i totally recommend picking up um, the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. There's another campaign still coming out this this year, and Spectre Knight. Um, it's been a lot of fun, so I, I'm loving it. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I've heard like, some people have even been saying they like uh, Spectre Knight better than the original, which is it, yeah, pretty high I, praise. I, I, I That's awesome. That. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It feels really satisfying, and it feels fresh, and it has. Like it's like a prequel, so they actually do some cool stuff with the the story that I wasn't expecting, where you kind of play as you know Specter Knight before, like he became Specter Knight and stuff too. So um, yeah, it, it's awesome. I'm I'm really really enjoying it. I'm hopefully gonna maybe finish it up this week or next week. But the other new game that I played this week is a Blizzard game, and I downloaded Heroes of the Storm, and I was playing that uh, this week, which it's kind of a first for me because I don't. Wait, isn't that what? a MOBA? It is a MOBA. It's a Blizzard MOBA, and it's uh, free to play. But I think, like most MOBAs, it kind of makes its money by like selling cosmetic items and loot boxes and stuff. But it's kind of like this Blizzard Super Smash Bros. type idea where they get all of, like the main characters from every different like Blizzard game. So there's Overwatch characters in there, Diablo, World of Warcraft. You know, you name it, Starcraft. They're all in there, and so. I will admit the only reason I downloaded to try it out is because they started a new event in the game where if you play, I think, like five matches or something every week, you're going to get unlock like new exclusive like Overwatch skins that are like the only way to get them. <laughs> and so, Wait, so that's why you started playing? That is why I started <laughs> playing. I'm like, hey, I'll check it out. It's a free download. I have a, you know, a computer that can run it. And like, I think next week they're giving out like a free Diva skin where it's like a Diva cop. It looks awesome. So... I'm totally playing just for that. So if you have Heroes of the Storm, hit me up on Twitter at the Jeffrey Morris because I need to play five matches with friends. But uh, my so only problem, literally, you are an Overwatch slut. You are, yeah. Literally, <laughs> I mean, Blizzard is amazingly brilliant in their marketing strategy to have this this Overwatch like tag in there just to draw in Overwatch people slut, like, like you. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I mean. I, I have enjoyed a few RTSs back in the day, and, you know, it, it is pretty similar to, you know, a standard RTS. And, you know, I have I had a little bit of fun in the first couple of matches I played. It was just against AIs and stuff like that. But uh, 
I don't have a mouse right now. Like I lost my mouse. So I just recently moved, so I'm having to play with my oh, little gosh. trackpad. <laughs> it is terrible. <laughs> my fingers are cramping up. So I'm not gonna touch it again until I I find my mouse. It's around here somewhere. But uh, yeah, I, I'll let you know if I if I play it anymore next week or what I think. But uh, let me know if you have Heroes of the Storm. Hit me up on there. I, I think it's I think it's a pretty cool idea. The cinematics are amazing. Like Blizzard is the best video game company at making cinematics and cutscenes. Like an amazing job so the opening opening cutscene to the game was really really cool and so um there's even a cool cutscene they just put out for the event where it's like a fully rendered genji and diva fighting off like diablo and stuff so um it, it's pretty cool and it's really well made it's got that blizzard crafting quality on it so and speaking so of blizzard you're having you fun know... well yeah i mean it, it's fun i i like i said i haven't got super deep into it and it's a really deep game so i'm just kind of scratching Okay. The, the top of the surface, but like I played a match as as Tracer, and I was running around, and like they kept Tracer, Tracer. Like you do three recalls that recharge, or the one recall and the three skips, whatever they're called. Um, you build up her ult, which those a pull spawn. You can reload the guns. She has twenty bullets. Like it's the same Tracer that you've known and love. And oh. so if you've played any Blizzard game, you'll find your favorite characters in there. I think. I, I, I unlocked Lucio and a couple other characters as well, so it's it's pretty nice. cool. It's it's, I it's worth checking out. I didn't out. realize it was uh, it was a mashup of all the different games. I thought it was something separate. So yeah, cool. it's just, I had heard that also. They throw together all yeah. the Blizzard franchises. And you, you know how much you know Blizzard likes updating and keeping their games alive, so <laughs> they do a good job with it. Yes. Well, and actually, they just um, Blizzard just did something really cool. I believe it was a week or two ago, and I don't think we mentioned it, but. They actually, um, they're giving StarCraft, the original StarCraft, away for free on their website. Oh, really? So, if you really want to play the original StarCraft with some new updated content, I believe, it's up there for free. I, I, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to do that. But I'll, 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 I'll play my five matches of Hero of the Storm and see if I stick around after that. I'll, I'll say that. Hilarious. Um, but there's, nice. your, there's your Blizzard really being all about their fans. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. You know, Blizzard puts a lot of high craftsmanship into their games and other than that i i played the new bomberman r update they upgrade upgraded the frame rate to 60 frames per second which is awesome uh makes it a lot smoother and so i played that a little bit and then zelda i finally picked up again uh two nights ago i have finally decided i'm gonna finish the game this week i've entered ganon's castle i didn't sneak around the back door like i did the first weekend i had the game and just try to survive I went straight through the front door and slammed the gates open, and I'm like, I'm going straight in. Ganon needs to be afraid of me. So um, I'm, I'm going to gonna beat that game this week, and I will let you know what I think of the ending for next week's show. I'm excited. Excited to see what ha- what happens. Nice. Uh, oh, funny. What about you, Nathan? Nice. How far, how far have you gotten in Zelda? <laughs> uh, I'm still pretty far. <laughs> I, I have 70 shrines done. And nice. That's a good I've, I've, I've I've been doing a lot of shrines lately, um, so I have 70 shrines done. I still have only two Divine Beasts, so I'm kind of by one of them, and I've been meaning to do it, but I've been doing other things. So. What were you telling me earlier about but, your wife? Oh, yeah, so my <laughs> wife has uh, 90 hours of Zelda. She looked at it the other night and was, like, kind of appalled and kind of disgusted with herself. <laughs> I've spent 90 really hours funny. in this game in, like, a month and a half. Yeah, exactly. and, and how many do you have, Nathan? Uh, I am at 75 currently, so she has more than me. That's she has more than, you know, we do this video game podcasting. We play video games <laughs> as part of our responsibility here. And yet your wife, who never plays <laughs> video games, doesn't really enjoy video games necessarily, has 90 hours into yeah. this game. That, that's we, so funny. Oh, she's, she's, 
she used to play like a lot when she was younger with her brother and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And since we started dating, I kind of got her more into video games. Like she she likes Overwatch and stuff like that. But yeah, it's pretty funny because I've never seen her get this much into a single player. <laughs> we we got to get her on the show one of these days and uh, interview her yeah. about, about Zelda and how, how it hooked her. <laughs> I don't think she, she's never really played a game, a single player game that long before. I assume. Oh, so. maybe. Maybe uh maybe after I beat it uh we can do like a mini spoiler cast or something like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. So that'd be, that'd be cool. hilarious. Playing anything yeah, else this I've week? Been, um, I've been playing. I jumped back into the original Splatoon um a couple nice. times. I kind of had the itch to play it, and I was really bad like the first patch. I was like, oh no, and I was like, no, I'm gonna keep going, and I kind of picked it up pretty quickly. Um, nice. but I had that, a lot of fun with that. That's hard. I, mean, I just it's pretty much just the pro Japanese players on the servers. Yeah, point, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I did pretty well. I led my team. Went like six and two, six and four, nice. something like that. Good job. Just, uh, That's actually pretty. I good. felt yeah. satisfied. Um, just played turf wars. I was too scared to get into the uh, competitive <laughs> ranked <laughs> matches. It's like I don't want to get destroyed. That was a lot of fun. I was looking forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the second one. So. That'll be a lot of fun. And then I also played, uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, NBA 2K16. NBA playoffs started and, you know, my Blazers got absolutely <laughs> humiliated and lost, got swept. So I I'm trying to play 2K games. to make myself feel better. That quote was totally taken out of context. <laughs> <It's kind laughs> of... Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you getting ready for NBA Playgrounds by playing some NBA 2K16? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually kind of hoping uh, last year during June, uh, Sony released 2K16 as kind of a free game with PlayStation Plus. I'm kind of hoping they do oh, yeah. 2K17 this year, June. Yeah. Um, that would be great because I, I didn't buy 2K17 this year. So, you know, but yeah, that would be terrible. Like, if every year they give you a free basketball game, like so many people would be so mad. <laughs> Dude, be I would awesome. be happy. But, I would yeah, I would stop we'll buying the game and yeah, just wait I, for I the think new people would literally stop buying them if they did that as a trick. Yeah, I don't I don't I, I don't think they'll actually do it, but I can hold out. So you're hope, hoping. Right? You're hoping. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Rob, close us out. What are you playing this week? All right, so I've been playing lots of Mass Effect Andromeda. I didn't really get to play Yokulele this week. Um just didn't have a lot of opportunities to do it, but I did get a lot of chances to play Mass Effect. Um was playing and I've pretty much completed three planets by now. So I'm getting, and Do I was know like, how many planets there are overall? I think there's like six or five. Okay, so you're about halfway. I'm, I well, that's what I thought. I was like, oh yeah, I'm probably like halfway. And I looked at my progress on, you know, you save the game and it shows you how many pro, how much progress you have. It's like, oh, you're at like thirty percent. Oh wow. Yeah, but that includes like, all the little stuff you don't have to do. I'm like, dude, I've been doing, <laughs> I've been true. playing so much, and it's only showing thirty <laughs> percent. Yeah, but so, you're still like whatever. That, though. I'm loving it. It's a lot of fun. There's some really, there's some repetitive instances. Um, like combat. Some or? of, some of the, uh, like you know the random spots where enemies will be all over the area, and some of the areas are just really repetitive. Kind of reminds me of like the original Mass Effect, like how when you'd go around the planets, all the uh, the locker room, dorm, like warehouses on planets would all look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that, only with the Mass Effect Andromeda updated graphics. <laughs> but as far as combat goes, I'm getting I'm up to a point where I'm a high enough level where most conflicts I don't even really I've actually avoided just driven away from conflict, mostly because I didn't want to take the time to kill all of them. 
Because I'm like, I'm a high enough level, I don't need to grind any. And so that's been kind of fun to just be able to like pick and choose which fights you want to play and yeah, just be able to destroy to. things. Yeah, destroy things with a couple of shots and be like, yeah, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then I've also been playing, uh, kind of going through my Steam library. I decided I was going to skip over the Avedon game that I was playing because it just I could not get into it. So I went on to another game by the same guy. Um, it's a single company. Uh, the company is called Spiderweb Software, and it's one guy. It literally is one single individual. Wow, that's impressive. And he's been releasing games since 1998. Seriously? Well, that's pretty good. Wow. Yeah, cool. so he his original series was called Exile. Then he re-released it as Avernum and added three new games to it. He's released a couple of other games. So I played this game called Avernum 4, which is just... It's an isometric RPG-type game, and... I enjoyed all the other ones in the series, so I'm enjoying this one about the same, but it's not necessarily like a really high pace or intensive story driven or it's it's fun to play. It's kind of one of those games that you can just turn on when you're working on something else or doing something else and play a couple of moves here or there and then do whatever you were doing to begin with and then come back to it. You know, kind of going back and forth with it. It's not something that requires your full attention, which is nice. Cool. So you recommend it then? Nice. I yeah, I love this series. I've been playing it, it since two thousand. So nice. Oh, is it better than Agatha Christie though? That's the question. <laughs> I wouldn't say that Avernum number four is better than Agatha Christie, but I would say that the series overall I like way better and I've put I put eighty hours into each of the games. Oh, so Wow, that's crazy. Wow, Wait, that's insane. Since when has Agatha right, so Christie become are... the gold standard of Steam games? <laughs> that's my question. Well, that, that's, that was that's the only game, game on... so far. <laughs> that's the only Steam game that I've actually finished. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. So, update on Rob. We're almost to May, almost five months into the year, or four months, you know, whatever. <laughs> and four complete months, and you're to AV on your alphabetical playthrough of Steam. I have... Three games left before I hit the Bs. Woo! Awesome. You'll get to so B before I, summer starts. If you, if you hurry up, my D prediction is looking pretty good then. <laughs> what, you, your prediction was that I would make it to... D, I to think. D. Games. Yeah. 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 Um, you're on pace. We'll see. When I hit Bs, oh, no, there's no, a... You're, you're... Uh, I, I don't Go have ahead. as many B games, and I don't have as many C games. So I might burn oh, okay. through those a little faster. Um, and incidentally, uh, confession time, I did skip over an A game. <gasps> Shame. I skipped over... Um, what is the, the horror game? Of it, it doesn't count. Sound good? The ho- <laughs> amnesia. I skipped over Amnesia. Oh, I've heard of that game, actually. Like oh, the, the, Shame of you, Nathan's like the, on it. Heard of it. The first-person uh, horror game where you don't have any weapons and there's enemies everywhere. It's one of the most famous horror games in the world. Well, I skipped over it because I was like, you know what? This is one of those games that I should probably pay, play while recording it, <laughs> live-streaming it, no, so that people can totally watch me pee my pants and scream that, like a little girl. That is fair. A horror game you kind of have to get in the mood for. And so I think... So. I think I'll I'll save that one for when maybe my computer's a little better. I have a I'm borrowing someone else's computer and 
maybe have a couple of friends so we can scream together. Fair maybe enough. the three of us can do that. <laughs> so Sounds good. Sounds good. All righty. Well, we went a little bit long today, but hopefully that's okay with you guys. Be, t- be sure to tune in next week. We broadcast live every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Pacific. You can find us on Spreaker.com. Uh, the link is in our Twitter, which again is at HeyListen underscore games. And today we are, will leave you with the Bomberman Tournament theme from the Game Boy Advance. Enjoy, and we'll see you next week.